We're into the, the first missionary journey now of Paul and, and Barnabas as we're reading through Acts. And we'll pick up on an encounter that they had on this first journey. We'll pick up in, in chap, chapter 13, verse 5. And when they reached Salamis, they began uh, to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. And when they had gone through the whole island and as far as Paphos, uh, they found a certain magician a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus. That's basically, his father's name was Jesus, son of Jesus, right? Uh, who was, with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. And this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But uh, Ilamus, the magician, for thus his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze upon him and he said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see for the, uh, the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul believed when he saw what happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions put out uh, to see from Paphos and began to purg... Oh, actually, I'll stop there, verse 12, sorry. Uh, right there, and uh, this proconsul was amazed at the teaching and what he had seen. Uh, this message, uh, authority over the devil, I, I want to talk about this dynamic of the Christian in our faith and how we relate to what is posed as our enemy of the faith or the devil. Now, I don't think I have to convince you that you have a fight that is spiritual. I mean, the Bible, uh, for those of you who are familiar with this verse in Ephesians 6, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? And so when we have a conflict with people, when we have an issue arising with the individuals that surround us, the Bible is telling us that our fight is not against people. Though we might argue and even come into a physical altercation with individuals, our fight ultimately is not with our bosses, our enemies, our backstabbers, the people that gossip against us. That who is our adversary is not those individuals. And the Bible makes that clear, that when we struggle, it is not against people, flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so the Bible is setting a backdrop that when you interface with people on a tangible level, on a personal level, that there is a spiritual realm and activity that is happening beyond it. So when I'm talking and I'm having a struggle in the world, there is actually a spiritual reality that is, in a sense, manipulating it. That the devil is active, that there are wicked forces, evil places, heavenly things that are happening beyond and behind those physical things. And so when you get up in arms because a person has offended you, have, has hurt you, that you need to get your eyes fixed on something and say, wait a minute, it is beyond you. That it is through you that the devil is trying to get at my heart, my mind, my body. And we need to understand that. I don't think I need to completely convince you of that because I believe that you understand that. That our battle, that the fight is against the devil. That there is a spiritual reality around us. But where I think some of us might um, not err, 
but where some of us might fail to acknowledge on a consistent basis is this, that we somehow in our fight with the devil, we might think as though the devil is strong and in a sense we give him too much power and authority over our lives as a Christian. Now, we, if you kind of do a Google image search of devil or Satan, there, there are probably these scary images that you wouldn't want to be alone with, a creature that looks like that in the dark. Right? And as we think about who Satan is and the evil that he uh, possesses and the power that he has, at times we might feel as though it's an unfair fight and maybe we feel as though we're the underdog. We're the ones that are weaker or smaller. And in our minds, we might think, okay, I know the battle is spiritual and the devil is real, but when it comes, really, when, when push comes to shove and we come in contact with this, with this force and we look at how powerful the devil is, at times I think we can blow him up a little bit too much. We can make him seem too important, too powerful, too strong, too influential over our lives. There's a, a verse in 1 Corinthians, right? It says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to men, and God is faithful, right? He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation provide a way to escape also that you may be able to endure it. And I highlighted escape and endure. And why do I do that? Because I think there's a tendency amongst some to think that we're just kind of scraping by. That, you know, the devil is imposing some will and some, some exertion over our lives. And, you know, okay, God is faithful and I'm just going to endure it. I'm just going to kind of escape out of it and barely by the skin of my teeth. And I don't want you to misunderstand that. I don't want you to think that, that you're, you're just barely getting by spiritually. And I, I, I don't want you to puff up the devil and deflate your own spiritual authority and strength. And that's why the title of this message is Authority Over the Devil. To know that who the devil is and the power that he has is real, but it's not elevated over our lives. The devil is a fallen angel. Yeah, he might have been a preeminent one, but he's an angel. And the Bible says later, we're going to judge the angels. Believers, you and I are going to judge angels. And if Satan is a fallen angel, he's in a category that is actually beneath the Christian. Beneath the Christian. And too often, I pit the devil over here, God over here, and there's an epic Star Wars battle, right? And they're fighting the forces of good versus the forces of evil. And the devils have an edge, and the God has an edge, and they're just going back and forth. And it's never like this in history. The Bible never proclaims a picture of this equal fight between divine powers. God alone is victorious from beginning to end. And even when the devil has a footing in the lives of God's people, it's because God allows it. That he has a purpose for the hardship. That he has a purpose for the pain. And he says, okay, devil, you can try that. You can do that. And he sees beginning to end. And that's the picture that the Bible gives to us. And so let us never fall into this, this, this error of believing and elevating the devil to the level of God. Divine power. Because he's not created being. He is fallen. Yes, powerful, but nowhere near. Can't even be on the same plane, not just with God, but even with you and I as the Christian, the one indwelt by the Spirit of God. That we have an authority over the devil that we must never relinquish and we must never forget. There's a saying, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog that matters. You've heard that before, or some sort of, you know, reiteration of that. 
That's so true. Now, if we've kind of puffed up the stature of the devil, and in a sense we are the smaller, weaker underdog, that it's not about the st- there might be this massive angel, but it is not about the height, the physical stature of us that matters. It is about the fight, the size of that fight within us. And by that, I'm referring to the size and the power and the authority of Christ within the believer. We must understand that. that The Christian has been given authority. Authority. And so this leads me to my first point. There will always be opposition to the life and work that God has called us to. And I think this is a fair statement, right? That... Uh, we're not promised just a cruise, a steady walk, right? That as we go through life and when God has put a calling on us and 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 He leads us, that the path that we walk is not a conflict free zone. That there will always be a pushback. That there will be people that the devil uses. That there will be circumstances and mental things that are happening that are always pushing back to the life and work that God has called us to. If God wants you to live a holy life, there will be pushback. If God wants you to have peace in your mind, there will be pushback. If God wants you to accomplish a, a, a work for Him in His commission, there will be pushback. Always. Always. And as Paul and as Barnabas are traveling through this area on this first journey, this magician, sorcerer named Elymas comes up and he begins to push back at the work. And he begins to try to sway this intelligent pro-council gentleman away from the faith and the message that Paul and Barnabas are speaking. And so the call of God was for them to go and there was pushback to that. It wasn't just an easy ride and just everybody just conceding to what they had to say. And he says something, will you never cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And that's an interesting statement, right? That you all remember in, in, in the Gospels with John the Baptist, right? And some were thinking that he might have been the Messiah. And he's like, wait a minute, that's not me. I can't even, I'm not even worthy to untie uh, the, 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 the sandal of his feet. And I'm just here to prepare the way of the Lord. And that's, that's a great understanding of what the Christian life is about. That if I'm just like kind of clearing the way, if it's like a snowy area, and I'm just like this bulldozer, and I'm just trying to clear the way, and I'm preparing a way for something more important to come after me. I know I'm not this show, and I'm just making a way for Jesus to do His thing. Right? And so when Paul is speaking to this magician, it's, will you never cease to make crooked the straight ways? And we need to understand that when God wants us to walk a path from A to B, that there will be intervention and opposition to this that will push us away from this straight path. That there will be opposition. And so what are the dreams that God has placed in us? That what are the, the callings that He has over your lives? That what does He want you to do? That as you put your mind to it, right, as you, you put your resources to it, as you, as, you, as you put yourself in the place to accomplish these things, what are the pushbacks that you have felt? And when you felt the pushback, what was your response to that? Did you see the devil behind the activity? And if so, did you allow him to impose his will over you? Or did you assert your authority in Christ over the situation? 
And I, I, I want us here today not just to acknowledge a spiritual battle is taking place, but for us to understand that we are on the winning side of the battle. That the authority is with you, with, I, with myself as the child of God. The Bible calls the devil our adversary in 1 Peter 5, right? In verse 8, that he's an adversary, that he prowls around like this roaring lion seeking someone to destroy, it says, to devour. And I don't know if you watch National Geographic and you watch the African safari episodes, and it's quite fascinating just to be able to see a lion in the tall safari, uh, the tall grass, right? And just to be able to be crouched down and to walk forward and just to be able to ambush, corner, their prey and how they work together in teams and one is over here and the other one scares and scares them into another pack on the other side of the the long grass and how they prowl around and that's the picture that the Bible is giving of what Satan is trying to do that he's not just trying to stand and come through the front door every single day of your life and say hey I'm here I'm here to cause some havoc that what he does is he tries to come through the side door the back door to be hidden and unnoticed he comes through the small thoughts through the small individuals through the small actions that happen that just rub us the wrong way make us go off kilter and we just are distracted from our calling we're distracted from our life and the work that god has for us and it's not because it's an outright thing that it's the marquee of our day trying to distract us it's the small little note that we just happen to to stumble upon it's the small little thing that just nudges us and he's just prowling around waiting for a moment to scare you to push you in a direction of greater danger that's what he does he prowls and it's clear his intent is to devour what's that he wants to eat us alive but we're not the gazelle in the field that if our identity is that the devil is a lion and I'm a gazelle I've got something flipped way upside down. That I'm not running for dear life from the devil. Frantic because he's trying to devour me. If that's the case, I'll never stop running. I'll always be the prey. And my message today is for you to know that you are not the prey. That the authority is in you. That you have the authority. That you have an ability to stand with the authority of Christ and say something to the devil, and say, be gone. That he is advancing and prowling and just pouncing, and you have the ability to stand firm in the armor of God and say, be gone. That when he advances, secret or not, be gone. That that authority is in us. And so I ask, have you used the name of Jesus in that way? That have you used the name of Jesus in the moment of aggression and conflict and say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, be gone. In the name of Jesus, Satan, be gone. That that authority is something that God asks us to stand in. That when Jesus had disciples, 12 of them from the beginning, and he commissioned them, go out, preach the gospel, share the good news, heal the sick. And they come back shouting for joy. I can't believe it. That even these, these demons are, are just obeying us in your name. And like, wait a minute, this is, you need to know that this is what you can expect. Freely you have received, so freely give. And he gave them that authority. That we will have opposition, but the Bible calls us more than an overcomer. In John 16, 
I've told you these things, Jesus says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on, 1 John 5, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Romans 8, 37, no, in all these things we were more than conquerors through Him who loved us. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I mean, you throw the lights on and you say, darkness, you try to overtake this light. It won't happen. As long as the lights are on, darkness cannot overtake light, no matter how small it is. And the Bible says that we are the light, right? And the light shines and shines forth in the devil and his power, his demons, whatever he has at his disposal cannot overtake the light. If the light is inside of us, the hope of the world, Christ Jesus, how can darkness overwhelm this? Second point. The Christian has supernatural authority. I don't know if you ever used that description to describe yourself super. Right? All right like, you're, I'm super, right? Super. Super you are. Super. Super. Maybe you have an image of this S on your chest, like you can leap tall buildings and, and see through walls. That's not what it is, right, for super. Super, meaning you are super spiritual. Spiritually, you have supernatural authority. Spiritually. Not in ourselves. In Christ. You know our two boys, right? Jacob the older, now six. Christopher, four. Christopher is in awe of Jacob, right? I mean, I, every, he, every time Jacob says something, Christopher's like, Jacob, you know everything. And he doesn't say it in spite. He says it with a sense of awe and admiration, right? But there are times where, where Jacob tries to direct Christopher, and he'll listen. And there are times when Christopher tries to direct Jacob, and he doesn't listen. Because he's the older one. He's like, oh, not now, right? And let's say uh, the, bo the boys are upstairs and Christopher comes down and it's time for something. I say, Christopher, can you go get your brother? He doesn't say, upstairs, Jacob, come down. He says a key word in the middle. He says, Jacob, dad said, come down. And suddenly, this four-year-old kid has authority over his brother because he quotes me. It's a different authority for him. If he went up, marched up, this says, Jacob, come down, he'd be busy doing whatever he was doing and carrying on his own business. But because he inserted, Dad said, changed the game for him. And isn't that the authority of a police officer when they carry a badge? Isn't that the authority of somebody when they represent a bigger, larger body and say that in this is the symbol that I represent this authority and they have the ability to cart us off or to inflict things upon us that we wouldn't allow any normal person to do because they have authority invested in them. And in that way, it is the same with the Christian, that Christ says that my authority is in you, that I give you authority. It says that in Mark chapter 6. And he summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs, and he gave them authority. He says, I have all authority, and I give it to you over all unclean spirits. It goes on, Luke 10. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Luke 
in verse 19, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. And the famous commission. And Jesus came up and He spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. That I have all authority, I invested in you, so go. Go. Go walk in my authority is what he's saying. That when you want to go to the nations to preach the gospel and teach them everything that Jesus says, I want you to know that Jesus is with you to the end of the age. Go in that authority. That is the basis of the commission. It is not just the work that the Christian has. It is a work that is pitted within the authority of Christ. There is a spiritual badge that we can yield. And it is not just the authority of the state. It is the authority of Christ. That the Christian has supernatural authority. That we need to, in our speech and conduct towards the devil, we need to speak in that authority. That we ought not speak to the devil as an equal or a terrifying adversary, you know. Don't speak to him as an equal. That he is an adversary, but we ought not see him as this terrifying one that's just ready to devour us. You know, there is such an interesting verse in Romans. Because the Bible's clear, right, that God has and will continue to crush the devil, right? right? All of the way from the book of Genesis, right? In that, uh, that, 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 that image of this Christ, all the way from the beginning, right? Where grab the heel and crush the head. And there is this understanding that though the devil can inflict a little bit of harm, that God has omnipotent power, that he can crush somebody's head, right? And you go to the book of Revelation and you see the same, the victory is God's. But in Romans chapter 16, God promises, uh, this God of peace promises to crush Satan, right? And the God of peace will crush Satan, it says. But if you read continually in this verse, I want you to understand something. This is under whose feet? That God will crush Satan under your feet. The feet of the Christian, the believer. That God will crush the devil and in his way of doing it, he will do it underneath the feet of the believer. Who has that authority? You and I do. Now we don't have to be pompous about it. Don't have to be arrogant about it, but know that it is within the believer, you and I. And so I close. Praise team, come back. First point use the name of Jesus with boldness. I can't overemphasize this enough. You know, as they kind of get, I'll, let me share a brief testimony. When I was uh, in my mid 20s, I led my first mission trip, right? And I took 
24 youth students and six leaders, college students, to, to, to Western Russia. I don't know what I was thinking, right? I mean, it was horrendous traveling. We took like a 24-hour train ride. I mean, it was fun, right? And I remember we got there, and I was leading uh, like a five-day uh, seminar for, for youth students uh, that week. And it was going great, right? And uh, one day, right around the middle of this week, I was resting in my room in between sessions. And I hear some rapid footsteps coming to my door and just the pounding, right? Pastor Robert, Pastor Robert. And I open the door, what's going on? It's like, come with me. Right? And, I, and I'm led by the hand to this little tiny room. And as I open the door, there is a bed tucked into the back corner of the room, and there's a young 14-year-old girl on that bed, just sitting, just grabbing her knees, and with the stare of death, this evil look, right? And as I was being kind of debriefed on this entire situation, they were saying that this young girl is demon-possessed. And I get to this room. And I just kind of stand at the doorway for a bit. This is my first encounter ever with such a thing, right? I've never seen a person look at me like that. And as I approached, this young, frail, skinny, 14-year-old girl had supernatural strength. This girl was strong. And she began to speak with this deep, ugly voice, right? Just down, or angry and just speaking, right? <laughs> like, uh, First time encountering such a thing. And the naivety of my, my faith at the time, I guess, was my advantage. Because I just believed what the Bible said, that I had authority in Christ. And I was just taught, use the name of Jesus. My first encounter with this, right? And so I just confidently walk up to the side of the bed, sit down, and I say, in the name of Jesus, be gone, right? And with aggression, she's coming, coming at me Right? And I'm holding her with my hands. In the name of Jesus be gone. I'm trying to force my hand on her head. In the name of Jesus be gone. And she's pushing back and she begins to froth at the mouth. And this is going on for like five. And I, I just repeat, in the name of Jesus be gone. In the name of Jesus be gone. In the name of Jesus be gone. And after about five minutes, this girl falls limp on this bed. Completely pale. And after about 15, 30 seconds, she begins to flush out again. And redness comes back to her skin. She slowly comes up from this bed. The softest dove eyes you can imagine. I mean, I'm talking like, one moment you were like the living dead, and now you were like this angel. It was so different. That first encounter with this evil spirit was so vivid. And, I, like, again, just the innocence of my faith at that moment. Just use the name of Jesus and it's going to work. That's just what I believed. Right? And that, that's carried forward with me. That in the small moments under my breath, I will say, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And so I, I, admon, I, I ask you, use it with boldness. Not with arrogance. It's different. Boldness. Don't be this snobby, arrogant, spiritual person, ah, you know, and just believe that you have everything at your disposal. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about a humble boldness. Christ is in me. All authority is Christ's, and He says go. And so I can go in that authority. Boldly. Use it. When you find yourself in a corner, when you know the devil is prowling and advancing, don't retreat 
with your tail between your legs. Stand in the armor of God in faith and say, Devil, in the name of Jesus, be gone. Secondly, fight the devil, not people. I know it's our tendency to fight people. When people offend us, we push back. When people say stuff about us, we say stay, we stay stuff about them. That our fight is not with our co-workers, our human enemies. That our fight is beyond that. So get your eyes off of the people and get them on to where the battle is at. It's with the devil. Tell him where to go. Tell him what is his. And stand in that authority. That you have authority over the devil. Amen? Amen.